Hello and welcome back to the Thrive for Life podcast. It's me, your host, Ashling Daly. I'm delighted to be joined this week by Paddy Brosnan. He's a mindfulness and meditation teacher, an inspirational speaker and an author of two books. His second book, Treasury of Mindfulness, How to Rest in the Quiet Heart of Cam, was released just last week and it's available on Amazon. So the work that Paddy does as a mindfulness and meditation teacher is so important, especially at a time like this, when overwhelm, anxiety, fear, stress, worry are at an all time high given the global pandemic that we are in the midst of. So it was a great time to have Paddy on the show, I felt, and I was delighted that he could come on and share some tips practical tips and suggestions about how you can bring more mindfulness into your life and let go of some of the suffering that we endure as a result of fear and anxiety and overwhelm. So just a bit about Paddy, he had a very successful career in the world of finance, but in his early 30s he realised that he wasn't all that happy despite being successful by society's standards. So he experienced a radical shift then in how he wanted to live his life and that marked the beginning of his inward journey of spiritual development and he left the world of business and devoted the next number of years towards developing his awareness through the practice of mindfulness and meditation. So in this episode Paddy shares his story along with some practical tips and suggestions for how you can bring more mindfulness into your life. I'm so grateful that you're tuning in and if you enjoy the show I would love if you could share it with a friend, leave a rating or review or hit subscribe so that you don't miss an episode in the future. I hope that you all stay safe and well and keep washing those hands and adhering to the social distancing guidelines. So Paddy, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, the work that you do is so incredibly important at this time, especially when there's so much fear and anxiety and overwhelm about the pandemic that we're currently experiencing. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, listen, thank you for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. So you're a mindfulness and meditation teacher and I thought this is the perfect time to have you on the podcast how are you finding the whole experience yourself? This must be the perfect test for your mindful practice. Um, yeah, you know what? Um, it's, it's, it's not too bad, to be honest. Um, the, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's certainly a little bit, so I suppose, easier if you've been practicing mindfulness for a little while to sort of learn how to deal with you know what's coming around the corner, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested to hear your story. I know you your background is finance. How did you get into the practice of mindfulness? So, yes, you're absolutely right. My background was finance. I um, was a, um, an investment consultant in Eastern Europe, so I advised expats on their uh, investment choices. So I worked with high net worth individuals. I had a I had one of those lifestyles that most people would be very envious of. Um, I, I was never particularly wealthy, but by association, um, uh, I, I had the, the the trappings, if you like. So if I wanted to go somewhere, and there was no back then, there wasn't so many low low cost airlines flying in and out of um, Eastern Europe. So we're talking maybe twenty twenty five years ago. So. Um, 
if I wanted to go somewhere, you, you know, sometimes it was just a matter of asking one of my clients for a start plane in town, and if it was, I could get a get a um, a lift wherever I wanted to on their plane. You know, so <laughs> looking from the outside in, I think it was a pretty excellent life, and I enjoyed every moment of it. I have to be honest, um, but um, it, I, I wasn't overwhelmingly happy. And I always had that sense that I was, you know, what traditionally people might call relatively successful, not like I was not millionaire type stuff, but, you know, comfortable, successful. Uh, but um, I, I wasn't happy. And I, I also felt that I wasn't particularly nice person either. And I felt that those two things at the time, I always had this sort of, you know, I don't know, nagging feeling that those things might have something to do with one another. Um, so I I just didn't want to to be stressed, anxious, unhappy, unkind, whatever the hell I was, I didn't want to be that. Um, later, uh, my friends um, would tell me that uh, back then, uh, yeah, they would have described me as a bit of an asshole. Um, so I knew I was getting to the point, I suppose, where I had, you know, I was getting to the age where, you know, I knew I was going to settle down and knew I was going to have kids and I didn't want to be an asshole dad or an asshole partner, you know, so, um, I started to look for ways to change and what resonated with me was mindfulness because mindfulness is just, uh, uh, awareness. And if you're aware of what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, um, you have some level of direction over it then. Whereas, you know, if, if you don't have that awareness, you, you're being carried along rather than you directing what's happening. That makes sense. And how did you get into the practice of mindfulness? So what was your starting point? Where did you turn to explore this? Uh, well, well, I started with meditation. Um, and then I started... Uh, and this was way before mindfulness became, you know, hugely popular. And then um, I started to look at, you know, I started to come across mindful meditations. And then I, I came across one of my um, mentors, one of my principal teachers is a gentleman called the Venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a, a Vietnamese um, Zen Buddhist monk. And... Um, he taught me a lot, actually, um, at first, you know, through the internet and through his books, I suppose, through his books mainly, and then through the internet as time had gone. And um, then I spent some time on retreats in Plum Village in France, uh, listening to his teachings. So he was a big influence. Um, and then after I looked into it a little bit, Ashling, I realized that mindfulness and meditation sort of, well, med mindfulness in particular originated in Buddhism, and, you know, meditation is obviously a large part of Buddhism as well. So I decided to have a look at the source. And then about uh, 12 years ago or so, uh, I uh, started to uh, practice Buddhism as well. Okay. Can you tell me a bit more about that, about Buddhism? That's a big question. What, do... <laughs> what... Like... what would you like to know? So as it's a religion, is that correct? Uh, it's um, uh, that's a tricky one. Um, 
where Buddhism exists as a religion, it's a religion. So if you take some of its originating countries in Asia, it would be a religion there. Um, in the rest of the world, it's, it, it's a philosophy. Okay. So you follow the philosophy of Buddhism? Correct. Okay. And so what impact then did you find that mindfulness and following the Buddhism philosophy, what impact did that have on your life? Was it immediate or did it take time or...? It takes a little bit of time, to be honest with you, because any sort of decent change... Well, well, some people have the sort of road to Damascus moment, don't they, where they have this, you know, like Eckhart Tolle in his park bench in London and stuff, and they have this, you know, moment. And, and then other people say that, you know, when they hit rock bottom, they had this, you know, road to Damascus moment. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I never had one of those, much to my publisher's um, um, disdain, because it makes much better back copy cover as it's called if you have a road to Damascus moment but uh, I certainly wasn't going to make one up so for me it was a gradual change and actually I think people around me noticed it before I did um, because people noticed that I was calmer, kinder, quieter, um, nicer um, before I did Okay. and actually it's funny because some of my friends actually thought there was something wrong yeah some of them thought yeah you know some of them thought that I'd gotten like a um, a bad medical diagnosis or you know that whatever that something that something major had gone wrong and that I had withdrawn into myself okay. and you know decided to become nice but that <laughs> but that wasn't the case and I, I remember at the time actually sort of fifteen years ago getting all those questions are you okay is everything all right at home is everything okay and I'm sort of and it, it puzzled me at the time where everybody was so interested all of a sudden in my in my health but that was why. Okay, so it's like you had a new perspective or outlook on life, a new approach exactly. to life. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And did you move, did you pack in your career then in finance yep. and you moved totally into this area? No, uh, I did what everybody else did. I blamed everything on the outside first. So I moved from uh, finance and then I decided to have a complete break and do something completely different. So I trained as a dog groomer, uh, did that for a few years. That didn't work funny enough. Um, I moved country. That didn't work. Imagine, because um, of course I'm bringing me with me everywhere I go. Um, so then, um, because I'm not the cleverest person in the world, I it suddenly dawned on me after a few years that it might actually be me that was the problem, not everything outside of me. So, then I packed everything up and sort of um, went, okay, I, I, I need to sort this. So tell me about the work that you do now. So you do retreats, workshops. Do you do one to one? I think I think work is a is a um, it, it's very generous of you um, to describe it as work. I think most people would describe it as uh, sitting around reading and meditating and uh, contemplating, and very few people would describe that as a real job. Let's be honest, actually. <laughs> um, uh, but my work nowadays is writing um, and teaching, which is what um, I do. So absolutely, um, I hold retreats. Uh, both here in Ireland and internationally, I'm lucky enough to get invited to uh, teach at retreats around the world, which I'm very grateful for. Um, I, I also um, get invited to speak uh, both here in Ireland, and then I run my own um, workshops. The next ones hopefully will be in November. We were supposed to have a, a tour in May, which unfortunately <laughs> we're not having, but uh, hopefully the next ones will be in November. And uh, the next retreat, we're also hoping we'll be able to keep this is in uh, June. Um, so with a bit of luck, all of 
those things uh, will go ahead because I think we have enough time distance to sort of uh, make it work. But primarily, that's what I do. Um, I don't, I don't actually um, do a lot of one-on-one um, because um, I don't think I have. I, I, <laughs> I don't think anything I have to offer is is is, is that huge a benefit to somebody. Um, you know, to sit down and listen to me that intently for an hour. Um, I, 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 I really wouldn't like to put somebody through that, to be honest with you. <laughs> and you've recently just launched your second book. Uh, yes, second yeah. book came out. Um, um, we had a little bit of a, a chat, myself and the publishers, as to whether we wanted to uh, release it now or not. And the book release, book launches are planned year 12, uh, 14 months in advance. Um, but I really felt that, that the book would be incredibly useful. And that's actually what the deciding factor is for pretty much everything I do. Is it useful? Not, you, you know, any of the other more cynical views that people may or may not have, but, you know, the actual driving force is, is it useful? If it's not useful, we don't do it. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the motto here with, with myself and, and the little team is, you know, um, um, maximum effort for most usefulness. And that's that everything gets put through that filter. So when we looked at that and we looked at what the book was made of, the book, by the way, is called uh, Treasury of Mindfulness, How to Rest in the Quiet Heart of Calm. Um, when we looked at the content of the book again, there's no theory in this book. It's all practical. So it's what happens if you're feeling overwhelmed? What happens if you're feeling stressed? What happens if you're put into a difficult situation? What you know? How do you bring mindfulness into your everyday activities? And it just seemed that it was incredibly, um, you know, uh, an incredible fit for 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 the sort of time that that that, that and the situation that we currently find ourselves in. And, and it's doing very well and uh, I'm very grateful that people are finding it very useful and the feedback that's coming in is 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 good in the sense that people are saying oh my god I found this useful and I found it helpful and that's all we want really that's all I care about brilliant and that's available on Amazon isn't it yeah it's available on Kindle and uh, paperback um, I'm not sure whether it's because of the supply chain is disrupted at the minute I'm not sure if it's filtered down into uh, bookshops yet mm-hmm. And I'm really enjoying, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading your, your first book called This Works. And there's a lovely meditation for fear in there that's been helping me a lot. Um, oh, thank you so much. So I'm really happy that. to hear that it's useful. Uh, so I would love if you could share some practical tips that might support people at this time who might be feeling overwhelmed or anxious or worried or stressed about all of the uncertainty and the overexposure to media and the hysteria that that's, that's creating as well. Well, you know what? I was just thinking about this, uh, about that today. Um, I don't remember. And it's been about, I, I, I think nearly three weeks since I actually remember a news story other than the virus. Um, and I just think, wow, how, how the hell did that happen? Like, there is still stuff happening in the world. There are still refugees gathering on, on you know, on the border with, with um, Turkey. There are, there are still, there's still a war in Syria. There's still really nice things happening around the world. But none of 
is um, being reported on. And I've never actually seen such blanket coverage. And I can understand that people are being anxious and they're feeling nervous. But here's the good news. We're now two weeks into this. And we have, you know, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you have survived those two weeks and you are um, hopefully doing well. Because one of the things that we should never underestimate is, is, is our ability as humans to adapt. We're really good at adapting. And we need to remember that. You know, this, there's nothing in this world that is permanent, and that includes this. It will pass. And in the meantime, we need to remember that it's how we react to our situation that um, affects our happiness, not the situation itself. And if we can bear that in mind, because we are being put in some, you know, it also struck me yesterday when I was talking to a colleague of mine who works in the health service and, um, you know, he, he was he, he was just pointing out, or sorry, we were just discussing that we're at two extremes. So we've either had people shoved together who wouldn't normally be together, or people separated who would normally be together. Um, so in my case, in my family, you know, uh, uh, I work from home. Now my kids are here, and very shortly my wife will be here as well. So we're going to have a situation where, you know, my routine and their routine and everything else is just completely wrong. And not not as it sorry, not wrong, but not as it normally is, and and we were, we're shoved together. So how do you deal with that? I suppose the important thing to remember is, is is to give yourself a little bit of a break. You will lose your patience. You will get annoyed. Um, you won't always be the smiley happy person that you think you are. And when that happens, it's to get over it as quick as you can. Apologize, obviously. <laughs> would be a really good start and say look it just had a little bit of a difficulty time dealing with it there and explain and you know sit everybody down and say look we're all going to be touching with one another we're all stuck in this really confined space we're not used to this so we need to give it ourselves and each other a little bit of a break when we don't handle it the way that you know we would want to ourselves or you would want me to and then of course you have the people who are separated and that's that's difficult as well because you have, you know, parents, elderly parents who might be living alone, who people literally cannot go and visit. And that can be difficult to, uh, you know, deal with. But I suppose there it's keeping in contact any way you can. And the one thing I would say is that I have uh, spoken to some elderly people recently who tell me that, that, you know, one of the stresses that they're currently under is the fact that their family keep wanting them to use technology that they don't know how to use. <laughs> you know, yeah, so that, you know, they're saying, look, if, if you just learn how to use this smartphone that I'm showing you through the window, we can, we can then FaceTime and, 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 you know, that's great. And I understand why people are doing that. But also maybe, you know, if your 84-year-old mother is comfortable using the house phone, use the damn house phone, you know, um, because... Putting more, obviously they want to please and they want to, you know, want to do the best they can, but they've enough on their plate without, you know, trying to learn how to use a, a smartphone or a tablet at the minute. Um, and again, you know, you can still go around, I believe. You can still talk to somebody through a window. Do that, you know. Uh, so don't isolate completely from from um, from people who have, have to isolate from you. That's good advice, yeah. 
And for anyone who's just feeling constantly stressed or worried about what might happen to themselves or their loved ones, are there any other tips that you'd offer them? Um, <clears throat> you know, um, I get in trouble a lot, Ashley, for telling people that um, worry is possibly the most pointless thing you could ever engage in. And it is easy for me to say that, and I understand that, and I, I hold my hand up. You can't see me, but I'm holding my hand up and say it is easy to say. But that doesn't mean it's not true. And one of the things that we are particularly good at in Ireland is, is making worry a badge of honour. So you'll hear something like, oh, Mary's a great mother. She worries about those children constantly. Now, unfortunately, worry is a precursor to stress. Stress is a precursor to overwhelm. And oh, sorry, is a pre- worry is a precursor to overwhelm and overwhelm is a precursor to stress and stress will kill you quicker than any virus that you could ever possibly hope to have. So the best question to ask yourself when you are feeling worried or overwhelmed is what's wrong now? If you just keep that question in mind, whenever you feel like you're worried or you're starting to panic or you're getting overwhelmed, just stop because you're not, you're in the future. I mean, if you're worrying, you're in the future. You're not in the present. So you're worrying about what might happen. You're feeling anxious about what might happen. And anxiety is a response to a presumed event. It hasn't happened yet. You presume it's going to happen. So stop if you can, or soon after, you know, you, you know that, that, that you feel that overwhelm and worry and ask yourself what's wrong now and that's a really powerful question because most times the answer to that is nothing there's nothing wrong now okay well let's deal with that situation then. it's a great great bit of advice yeah and I think I read somewhere recently about how we're not given the the strength or the resources or the tools to deal with the problem until we're actually faced with it so not not even close yeah you're dead right so not before and not after so worrying about a problem that may arise as you said is a waste of time it it is now it doesn't stop people from worrying Mm -hmm. but um you, you know there's there is there's so much to be said for doing things like just making tea you know one of the things that you know, you asked earlier on what got me into mindfulness. One of the phrases that got me into mindfulness was you don't need thoughts to make tea. The problem is, and I'll explain that in a second, but before I do, I just have to say that the difficulty is, is we believe most of our thoughts. And I would urge people, you know, it is not necessary to pay attention to your thoughts. Most of them are absolute nonsense, just rubbish. And if somebody was standing beside you, whispering that same thing into your ear, you would punch them and so you should although I don't advocate violence as a Buddhist obviously but you know uh, metaphorically punch them Um, so you know one of the most beautiful things like I said I've ever heard was you don't need thoughts to make tea and what that's trying to convey is you can either while making tea focus on the act of making tea or you can allow your mind to wander worry and catastrophize and, and and the core element of living mindfully is always to do to former, to concentrate and focus on whatever you're doing now. If that's talking to your kids, doing your homework, doing schoolwork with your kids, um, making tea, making tea. 
Listen to the sound of the kettle boiling. The smell when you pour tea or coffee, the smell when you pour the water into the cup, the sound that makes, the feel of the cup in your hand, the weight of the cup in your hand, the taste of the, of the tea or coffee. That's a much better and more valuable use of, of your time than while waiting for your tea to, to, to kettle the boil or your tea to brew, you know, allowing your mind off to wonder and worry and catastrophize about stuff that will never, ever, ever happen. Great advice, yeah. And tell me about meditation. So why is meditation so powerful, do you believe? Um, meditation is powerful because it, it allows the mind to prepare for making tea without thoughts. So, so when we meditate, um, we, we normally, mindful meditation in particular, is about focusing the attention and your awareness on a specific, what's called an object of meditation. So it could be the breath, it could be feelings in the body, it could be sound, it could be sight, it could be awareness itself. Um, you know, later on when, you know, when you develop a little bit of mindless, mindfulness, you can then um, meditate being aware of what you're aware of. Um, but so when you do that in formal practice, it then allows you to be able to do that much more easily in everyday life. And that's why meditation is so, is so powerful because it prepares you to be able to do, uh, to make tea without thoughts, for instance, uh, much more easily. Okay. And is it important to meditate daily? Is that where you're going to get the most benefit from meditation? It is. It is no question. Um, so, you know, meditation should be done in, in, in small quantities as much as you can manage, um, twice a day. So 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening is absolutely fine, but please don't start at 20 minutes, start at five minutes, do that for a week and then 10 minutes for the next week and build up to 20. And if someone was starting off with meditation, would you recommend them to do guided meditations or just try and sit and be aware of something? <laughs> no, uh, uh, to be honest, for the first two years of my practice, I used guided meditations. Um, uh, some guided meditations are just nonsense, like, like everything else in the world, you know, particularly if you go online. You know, and a good way to recognize that if, if, if there's whale song and, you know, mm -hmm leaves falling gently in the background and all that just absolute nonsense there that's very good for relaxing please use that to go to sleep but it isn't good for focused awareness which is what uh, mindful meditation is so uh, and there are lots of I, I think there are there are some on my website there are definitely some on my youtube channel uh, if you want to go and check those out um, start there i think um, and then once you know what a, a proper mindful meditation is from from listening to mine hopefully you'll agree that they're proper then you can go and uh search out others on the internet brilliant or wherever you like and has your your career as a mindfulness and meditation teacher has that had an impact on your family have do they practice meditation they do um a little, so my two boys would would sort of take a minute or two when they wake up in the morning just to sit in their beds and, you know, focus on their day. Uh, you know, to just transition from that wake, uh, sleeping to waking uh, rather than jumping out of bed. Uh, so they would take a moment to do that. Um, 
they would also have a, a decent understanding, I think, of the necessity just to get out of a situation that's harmful to them. And I mean that uh, from a mental point of view. So if they're getting angry or they're getting frustrated, they can be quite good at taking themselves out of that situation, uh, going into the room or go, we have a little meditation room in our in our um, house, which is where I'm currently sitting. Uh, or going in there, um, and, and you know, once you're in there, you can't be disturbed, not by mom and dad or anybody else. Um, yeah, so 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 they would it would have a, had an effect. It's like everything else; you don't want to push things down their throat either, and you want to keep it in small doses, you know. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you have a meditation room. Is it a good idea to create a space for meditation that's dedicated to it? Do you know what? It's a good idea to create a, a space for peace. Um, I don't care if you if you meditate in there or just contemplate your day or uh, practice gratitude or whatever. But it's a really nice idea just to have a space in your room. It doesn't have to be a room. Uh, this is actually ours is in the spare room and it's divided with one of those room dividers. And then the other side is uh, a workspace. So um, and it's literally I'm looking around now. I would imagine it's five foot by five foot or six foot by six it's not huge you know um but it's it's nice to have a place in your house where people can go just to find a little bit of peace um you know um the abbot in um plum village a few years ago in his uh, address on new year's eve said that um we have um, a room for our car a room for our washing machine but no room to find peace. Um, and that was that is actually very true. And sometimes just the ability to take yourself away from a situation, be it stress at work, you know, an argument, uh, bothered with your brother, whatever it might be, just the place where you go where you know that you're not going to be disturbed until you until you can have that little bit of mental clarity is not a bad idea. It's a really thought-provoking um, quote or phrase that you've just mentioned there about the room for everything else, but not for peace. Yeah. Mm. No, but it's it's true. I mean, we, we we literally have a room for everything, but no room for our mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And tell me, this current pandemic that we find ourselves in the middle of, a lot of people are we we all have time to reflect on what messages we're taking from it or. <laughs> or what we can learn from it about like maybe sustainability the way we're living our lives or the way we're treating the environment what kind of thoughts are, are coming from this for, for you um again i think ashling that we can we can sometimes read um an awful lot into an awful little um there is a virus um it's uh, I, I know nothing about viruses I'm sorry I know nothing about them but this one is apparently very uh, nasty um, it's causing an economic virus uh, as well which is not which so we're, there's a sort of a, um, a two for one deal going on there if you like um, whether there's a message in that um, I don't really know however I do know as that like with any situations there will be benefits and there will be downsides. Um, and I think it's great that people want to 
look at the benefits as well as the downside. I think that that is a, um, an excellent way to look at it. There are positives involved in this. Um, I think many relationships will be strengthened and many relationships maybe that shouldn't be there will be um, unstrengthened, <laughs> if you like, through, through the course of this. Um, but um, I'm not reading any huge um, um, universal earth-shattering messages from it, except that it's here. That's very sensible. And what will you be doing with your extra time at home? Will you be doing more meditation? Will you be doing more I don't writing? have any extra time at home. I okay. have less time. My kids are here all the time. <laughs> um, so the only thing I... I, at the moment, what I'm looking at is 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 work that is literally stacking up, <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about that. So there's nothing I'm going to do about it. If there's nothing I can do about it, there's nothing I'm going to do about it. When I can do something about it, I will. Um, but for now, uh, the kids are home. They have to get their work done. They're not at an age where they, you know, can get on with that completely independently. So they do need help and. Even if they didn't, they're still going to be running around the house. And, you know, if you're trying to write a, um, an, an article for a publication in the US, a yoga magazine in the US or something, you know, a bit contemplative silence. <laughs> 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 now is probably not the best time for me to do that. No. So, it's, so, you know, um, uh, I, I don't, I, I suppose for me, yeah, it's the exact opposite, actually, my you know, I have less time to the sort of, the, like normally my life is, is the way people's lives, I suppose, are becoming because I'm at home all day. I get to read, write, meditate and contemplate. Um, and that's actually my job. Like how ridiculous is that? Um, I quite enjoy it though, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I will be looking forward to getting back to it. But for now, the situation is the situation. And uh, there's, it is pointless fighting against it because every time you fight against reality, you suffer. Mm. That's so true. Mm. Yeah. Um, and are you going to embrace the online world more? Are you going to do any workshops online or? Uh, no. no. Um, I, I love meeting people. Um, I, you know, um, I mean, I love going around the country, you know, getting into a room with two, three, four, five hundred people. And at the end of each of those events, I will, I will spend an hour just hugging people at the end because they come up and say hello to me or whatever. And I'll spend an hour just hugging, having a brief chat with everybody while my event team are looking at me going, for the love of God, would you just go home? You know, um, <laughs> so that's where I feel most at home. Um, and you know what? I don't want to particularly, I'm not an expert in any of this sort of stuff. And I really think that, you know, part of my role at, at the moment is to just leave some space for the voices that actually should be heard. If that makes sense. Um, so I'm just doing what I would normally do. I, I have my Facebook live every Wednesday. Uh, I post the odd ramblings and rantings on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. Um, but really, 
I I just don't feel that me getting stuck into the, the current situation with the uh, coronavirus is going to be a benefit to anybody because I'm not the voice people should be listening to. You know, I'm not the I'm not the expert. I I'm and I just think we need to leave a little bit of space. I've never seen so many workout videos in my entire life. I know. Every time, every time I open any one of these things, somebody is trying to get me to jump around <laughs> or stand on a sofa or and I'm going. Where do these people come from? Absolutely. Why do I need to stand on a sofa now? I've never stood on a sofa before. What? Why do you feel? Why should I feel the need to do it now? So true. And I suppose what you by continuing to do what you normally do that is being useful because that is supporting people at this time when they are feeling maybe stressed or overwhelmed, and what you do is really supportive to people in that way. That's what I'm hoping. That's the hope. Now, you know, people will be only too happy to tell me, I'm sure, whether that's whether they, whether they think that's true or not. Um, but that, I mean, I am I'm lucky enough to have um, a lot of um, um, followers. Um, and, you know, my job is to serve them as, as best I can as be that to be as useful to them as I possibly can. And the best way that I feel I can do that is by doing what I've normally done. Because if let's be honest, if it was good enough two weeks ago, it's I'm hoping it's good enough now. Exactly. So, Paddy, before we finish up, is there a particular quote or saying or mantra that you live by? I always love to ask guests this. Is there? A, I, I really do like you don't need thoughts to make tea. Mm. Two things got me uh, hooked. One of them was... Uh, you don't need thoughts to make tea. And the other one is the subtitle to the, the book that that uh, tragedy of mindfulness, um, which was you should have, um, one of my teachers told me that your goal should always be to rest in the quiet heart of calm. That's just, that for me is just so evocative. Mm. And it really should be your goal. It, it, regardless if, if, you know, whether you're, whether you're dirt poor or whether you are a bazillionaire, it doesn't matter. Your goal should be to rest in the quiet heart of calm. That's lovely. Thanks for sharing that. And tell me, on your website, you also have some courses available that people can do online. Did I see there's a, a five-day mindfulness challenge? Yes, there is. There's one up there at the minute, uh, which is a five-day mindfulness challenge. That's actually written. That the, there's a lot of people doing that at the moment, and I think I understand why. But that's actually a really nice course. It's paddybrosden.com, by the way, um, and it's just a five-day. And each day, um, you get access to. You don't get access to them all, all the one time. So each day, you get access to that day's video. That video will have um, a meditation a guided meditation and it will also have a mindful challenge and that mindful challenge will be to do something that you're already doing mindfully um and then it builds over the course of five days uh, and i'm not going to give the ending away um but it builds over the course of five days to show you how you can so easily and quickly learn to live mindfully all the time um so the original name of that course was five days to calm um, but I thought that was, you know, 
that's a big claim. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we went with five day mindfulness challenge, but you know, really it is five days to calm to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and people are finding that really useful at the minute as well. And I'm so happy about that actually, because again, we brought that out, I think a month ago, six weeks ago, we launched that course and we didn't know any of this was going to happen. So, you know, perfect timing. That's mm, hope. Let's hope it's useful. So Paddy, the best place to find you, so your, your website is paddybrosnan.com. Yeah, paddybrosnan.com, also on Facebook, Paddy Brosnan Mindfulness. Brilliant. So thanks a million, Paddy, for coming along and being a guest on the podcast. I really enjoyed this. Listen, I, I thank you so much for, for, you know, for giving me the platform. Thank you so much for allowing me to um, 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 fill your time with uh, my rantings and waffle. Um, I hope at least some of it was useful and I hope that your listeners find it useful. And listen, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. You, I promise you, if you just focus on what's happening now, you will always rest in the quiet heart of calm. Fabulous. Thanks, million, Paddy. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Thrive for Life podcast with me Ashling Daly and this week's guest Paddy Brosnan. Be sure to check out Paddy's work, you can find him on Facebook or Instagram or check out his website paddybrosnan.com and make sure to check out his books, he's got two wonderful books published. The first one is called This Works, How to Use Mindfulness to Calm the Hell Down and Just Be Happy and his latest book is called Treasury of Mindfulness, How to Rest in the Quiet Heart of Calm. Until next time, take care.